Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I want to say a big welcome to all of you that are watching online as well from wherever you're at. Even if uh, you're not watching live, you're delayed, you're not delayed in the things of God. So welcome and very excited to have you at City Church. I want to dive right in this morning to what I hope is the last of our series called Outbreak. Uh, I was going to be launching a a new series uh, called Mind Your Own, but that's going to be delayed by a couple of weeks. I really feel that God's uh, not finished with Outbreak. Last week, I really encourage you to go back if you missed last week's message. uh, Go back and catch up. I talked about five uh, steps to favor which uh, I really believe that you can appropriate these things. And, and, and this morning is a follow-on to that. All, all of the Bible is a follow-on from everything else in the Bible. Anybody notice that? It's like it just everything is connected, and so it should be because it's all uh, of God. So I'm very excited. This morning's message, I've called it the Master's Key. The Master's Key. I'm not going to tell you what the master's key is uh, until the end of the message, but I really want you to uh, discover this uh, with me. It's something that uh, I I just can't get it off my heart. I was praying about this message a a lot. Probably uh, this morning's message, I've prayed over it and thought about it more than, than practically any other message, to be quite frank with you. It's something that I believe challenges all of us as we dive into this, you're going to, hopefully you're going to be challenged as much as I was, maybe even more, I don't know. But I, I really encourage you to get into your Bible, look these things up. The, the beauty about things that are recorded, we've got YouTube, we've got Facebook, we've got podcasts. Got about every medium for you to stop the message, push pause, look things up in your own Bible, pray about these things, and, and ask God, what am I supposed to do with this? One thing that I don't like, and there's a lot of things that I don't like, but I'll start the message off with one thing that I don't like, and that's to lose my keys. Have you ever been there? Uh, I think about keys for our house. I think about keys for my office here at the church. I think about keys for the car. I've lost them all, or I've locked them in. Sometimes I've left the office and thought, oh, I think I'll go outside, maybe go out to eat, something like that. And I think, oh, I forgot my phone. So I'll go to get back in to get the phone, but I'll discover that I actually left the keys in there as well, and that the door's locked, and the door has a way of self-shutting, which is a bad thing. Uh, I remember hearing about the astronauts when they landed on the moon. They, uh, for for some reason, I believe they had a lock or something or a, a, a latch on the door when they stepped off, and it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> like if we shut this, we, there's no key to get back in, so don't lock it. And I think that uh, fortunately the, the, guy, the second guy down remembered, don't lock the, the door, don't shut the door, don't latch the door, because we're stuck out here. We're going to have to punch a hole in the, the limb or something to get back in. It's a sinking feeling when you don't have keys to get into something. And, and keys represent authority. We touched on that last week. When uh, Jesus asked Peter, who who do men say that I am? And and Peter got it right. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, "Uh, that's that's a revelation that you didn't get 
my flesh and blood. Nobody else told you that. My heavenly Father gave you that answer. And because of that revelation of who I am, the Christ, or the, the anointed one, the one on whom the Spirit of God resides, uh, upon that rock, that revelation, I'm going to build my church. Then he said something to Peter that I think challenges all of us, and it's a, it's a blessing, not just a challenge, it's a, it's a promise that I appropriate and I encourage you to appropriate in life because keys represent authority. They represent divine permission to open a door or shut a door. And he said this to Peter. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Or whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever has already been released in heaven, love, joy, peace, all, all the beautiful things that we would think heaven is, whatever's released in heaven, free to go about to permeate the atmosphere of heaven, he says, that's what I want you to release on earth. Peace and joy, you know, all of the beautiful things that are fruits of the Spirit that we see in, in love, of course. All, all of these things are, are loose in heaven. They're released in heaven. The atmosphere is permeated in heaven because the Spirit of God dwells there uninhibited. These are the things that I want you to release into the earth. However, there are some doors that need to be shut. And if they are already shut in heaven, there's, uh, there's no anger uh, unvented. There's no murder, stealing. We talked about that. The, the Lord's Prayer says this. Our Father who lives or dwells in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. Whatever God's will is, whatever's permeating the atmosphere in heaven, whatever's permitted or released in heaven, that's what I want you to permit or release on earth. However, whatever's not permitted in heaven, I don't want you permitting it on the earth. And I give you the keys, he said to Peter, and he's, he's promised us the same thing, the authority, because we are Christ's ambassadors, the agents of reconciliation. He's given us the authority. He's given us the keys to unlock things that need to be released on earth that are already released in heaven. That's the job of the believer. That's the joy that you and I get to do. It's an incredible, uh, an incredible privilege, but it's also an incredible responsibility to bind and to loose things on earth that need to be bound, such as uh, anger and, and murder and, and all the terrible things that we see going on that are manifestations of things that, that, that we permit, sex trafficking, drugs, people, suicide, you know, all of these things that we see. We go, oh, it's so terrible. Uh, I think I'll have a, a dinner while I'm watching the news and watch more of this stuff going on. Uh, <laughs> it, it should wreck us. That's what the body of Christ, we are the church, we are the, the body of Christ. He says, you are my hands, you are my feet. Don't sit back and watch it all. Don't watch the world go by. Do something about it. I've given you my authority. I've given you divine permission to release things out of the heavenly realm that need to be released into the earth and to bind or shut the door on things that are not permitted in heaven, do not permit them in earth. That's the great challenge of the believer. Now, oftentimes, we find ourselves in situations 
where we're not just uh, locked out of something, but we're locked into something. And even worse, we're locked up. Uh, I don't think there's a, a, a worse place for somebody to be than locked up in situations of their mind because they have not learned how, how to access their freedom. They don't have the key to get out of it. And it's our job as fellow believers when we see that, when we see somebody that's bound up or locked up, to take the key, the authority that God's given you, and to unlock that door for them and to release them. He said to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail. There are so many people that are locked behind gates of hell. They're locked into all kinds of mindsets. They're locked into all kinds of situations. They're locked into things that only someone else with the Spirit of God can unlock. That's why he said to, uh, again, teaching in Matthew, he says, how can you, uh, uh, how can you loose a strong man unless somebody stronger comes in and, and unbinds that strong man? Because they were accusing him of operating under the power of the devil to heal people. He says, well, if I do that, if I do that by the power of, of the devil, then I'm a house divided. I'm working against myself. The devil goes and binds, and I'm going to loose under the same power. However, if the Spirit of God is doing this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is, this is divine power from heaven that has loosed this man, that is, lo that is loosing these people from all of these things that they're locked into in, in life situations. Now, our challenge as the body of Christ is to see things and just ask this simple question. Is that permitted in heaven? If it is, I'm going to permit it here. If it's not, then why am I going to permit it? Because I can do something about it. That's why he goes on and says in that same passage about uh, uh, unloosing the person or the strong man, he says this, that's why every sin will be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because it's the power of the Spirit of God that's where we get our power from in the name of Jesus, our authority from to loose people that need to be loose, to uh, bind up things that need to be bound and shut doors that need to be shut and open doors that need to be opened. That's basically the ministry uh, of a believer. It's, it's, it's incredible because I see people in churches, mostly uh, what I do, and I think, why isn't that person blessed in life? They're, they're doing the right things, you know, they're attending, they're tithing, they're praying, they've got a lot of things going on, but it just doesn't seem like the blessings of God is theirs. It seems like they're just locked out of the good things of God, or like I said, they're locked into something that they just can't seem to get out of. And, and if it breaks my heart, it must break God's heart. Because we think that it's all about just jumping up and down like jelly beans uh, during a worship service or something. Nothing wrong with that. I do it. Okay. But we think, well, that's the key. That's, that's not the key. The key that I'm going to give you this morning, it's the master key. There are a lot of doors in this church building. And most of them have individual keys to get someone in or out of that has authority to be in or out of that room. But there is one key that is the master key. 
It's the key that unlocks every door in this building. It's the key that you, if you have access to that, you can get in or out of every other door. There is a key that God gives that I call the master key, but I also call it this morning the master's key. It's the key that only the master can give you. And if you don't have it, you can't have access to everything, every door, because you're not permitted to go through certain doors unless you have the master's key or the master key that the master gives you. We're going to look at what that key is this morning. However, I think that I'm going to lead you down a path so that you think it's one thing, but you're going to discover at the end it's not actually that. So you're going to get set up. I'm going to set you up really good. And then at the end of that, we're going to look at how well you've been set up and discover something that I believe is absolutely incredible. All the doors that God has for you will be unlocked through this key that I believe you're going to get this morning. So I want you to, uh, I want to look again at the Lord's Prayer. Now we've read this and a lot of us have memorized it out of a King James Bible. But I want to go to you with, uh, I want you to go with me to the Passion Translation, Matthew chapter 6, 9 to 15. And I want to read this. This is Jesus teaching them how to pray. And he's going to teach us something here. And he's going to give us a condition. So all of these things that God has for us are conditional upon really one thing. He says, pray like this. Our beloved Father. And notice the next bit. Dwelling in heavenly realms. He's going to, again, reinforce this connection between the kingdom of God, which is earth and heaven. The kingdom of heaven works like this. The kingdom of earth works like this. Pray that the Father who is in heaven, dwelling in heavenly realms, may the glory be to your name, be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Old style King James Version, Lord's Prayer, you will be done on earth how as it is in heaven. But I love the way that this brings this out. May cause every purpose to be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. We get our, permit, per, our provision that way. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Here's a condition in here. Rescue us every time we face tribulation. Oh, don't we love that? And set us free from evil. Amen. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. Now, verse 14. There is a, a clause to this whole thing. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. I don't, I don't like that. Like, I liked all the other stuff about getting us out of trouble. 
uh, about provision because we, we need to pay off that debt. I mean, my goodness, you know, it's no fun being in debt. Give us this day our, our daily Mercedes or give us this day our nice designer clothes or get us out of debt. Bless us, bless us, bless us. Five steps to blessing last week. But here is the clause, the conditional clause. When you pray for these things, oh, pray for them. Absolutely, you have not because you ask not, he says. Two or more shall gather together, agreeing, get in agreement for this. However, <laughs> when you pray, don't withhold forgiveness towards other people that have done you wrong. Oh, don't we have a list of people that have done, done us wrong, especially if we've lived for any amount of years on the earth. I mean, I would have a list that would probably be longer than most because I'm a pastor. <laughs> you have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> I've also lived a life before Christ that, quite frankly, was, was, was inundated with hell <laughs> on earth. Uh, Dad liked to get married. Dad had uh, uh, not the best record. The first, my, my mother left when I was three. The, then he married again when I was eight years old and uh, didn't last about a year. I saw things fly through the air. I heard words at a very young age that no, no eight-year-old should ever hear. I was uh, abused by older stepbrothers, uh, one who just loved to hold me down and you know beat me when when dad would go out bowling with stepmother. Uh, you know, all of these things were, were dug in. A lot of hurt, a lot of resentment, a lot of things that have happened uh, pastoring this church over 33 years now, 33rd year, that I don't recount them because I've been free from them. I only mention that, look, it's not like I haven't been there. These things go on. Jesus said this. He said, offenses will come. It's impossible that they're not going to come. You're going to, you're going to have people that don't like you. You're going to have people that you bless them. I've had people that we, we virtually give them the shirt off our back, help them get on their feet, do everything, and just turn and just bite us and say the worst things about us. It's like, what did I do to deserve that? Nothing. What did you do to deserve what you got? You took that job in good faith. You are all excited about, oh, man, I got a new job. You know, everybody's celebrating everything else. Two weeks into that job, you discover you are working for the devil himself. You make a friend with somebody, you think we are going to be friends for life. Yes, indeed. Selfies, everything going over there on the Internet, social media, uh, tweets, everything going down. And, and then one day... They, they go from your bestie to your worstie. You go from your best day to your worst day. You have to walk through that red eye, sore, look, can't even look at them. You know, things going down, thumbs are busy. Things going back and forth. How am I going to answer that? How, what am I going to do when I encounter these things? You're going to do one thing that you have to do. You're going to forgive. Oh, I don't... I love a good alien movie. We watched one the other day. I don't remember the name of it. doesn't matter. I think Independence Day was on last night for about the upteenth millionth time. And I don't, I don't really mind when 
they're killing aliens. Because aliens, well, theoretically, anyway, depends on your belief, aren't real. <laughs> okay. uh, and these big, ugly-looking things, they, they, they look hideous. They're full of green and, and, and yellow pus. When they shoot them, it just splatters everywhere. <laughs> and, and I can laugh about that. I can laugh about those aliens and people kill, you know, killing aliens. But when it comes to people killing people in real life, then I have to take issue with that. I watched uh, a movie on the siege of Stalingrad. I didn't know it at the time, but I Googled it. I thought I'm going to have a look at this called Enemy at the Gates. And two, almost 2 million people were killed in that six-month-long six battle, the siege of Stalingrad, the bloodiest battle in history. That's incredible. 2 million people, not in the whole war of World War II, but in one siege of one city, two million people dead. Then I think about the heart of God because he loved all two million of them. He died for all two million of those people. They're not aliens in a fictional movie where I can laugh and hand me the popcorn, Gail. Did you bring any chocolate? This is like real life. And it's going down right now. Where does it start? It starts in the hearts of people. And what's God's people's responsibility in this? It's to do the stuff that we're talking about right now. Because God has given you keys to shut that stuff off. And to release something greater into the earth as his followers, as his believers. This is our responsibility. Oh, we get hated by the atheists and everybody, but I've never seen them at a serve day. Uh, we had a serve day, you know, renovating a school yesterday, and it was good to see, you know, many people from our church and another church get together. And at the end of that uh, serve day yesterday, it was incredible, just the, the makeover of the school. And I began to think about the children that would walk in there on Monday morning that will walk in and see the, the rainbow-colored seats that were uh, all dry-rotted timber and the gardens and everything else. And I thought, what a blessing that we can actually make a small difference just by giving a day or a morning, really, uh, of our time to bless somebody. But what a difference it is when you walk into that office situation where gossip is ripe and, and, and where the venom is flowing and where the atmosphere is just an atmosphere of hatred and, and competitiveness and, and covetousness for money. You, you walk in there because you've gotten into the Word of God and heard a message like this morning, and you think, well, I've got a responsibility here to bind that up and to lose something from heaven into this office atmosphere. I have a responsibility not to sit back and be plastered about it, not to be a doormat. If the, if the, if the, if the, door, if the if you've lost your salt, then, then, then what are you fit for? You're going to be trampled out. Jesus said, you've got to, you got to be the light in that atmosphere. You get to be the salt in your world. You get to be a change agent. You are ambassadors for Christ, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. You are to be there for a purpose to reconcile people back to him. However, one thing gets in the road, big thing, and that's unforgiveness. We buy into offenses because people offend us, and they will continue to offend you. You, if you haven't been offended, you haven't lived. 
But if you're holding on to that, then Jesus says, if you retain that and you won't release and you won't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive you. That's big. That's real big. That is over and over and over again in the scriptures. That's not just one time that he says that. He says that again and again and again. How important is that? It's very important. It's so important that once it starts, if it's not attended to and if it's not bound up, the casualty can be two million people in one skirmish in one city. That's how bad it can get and spread like a virus to all the other cities that would look, look, it would make coronavirus look like, like child's play, like a little cold compared to what's happened in this world over that many years with wars and, and, and all the devastation that the devil's got a hold of. So some of the scriptures that, uh, that talk about this, one of them, you know, it's amazing. In Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to read this, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Notice he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of gold, was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Isn't that like you and I? The debt that you owed, he canceled it. He went to the cross. He took your place. That's incredible. That's salvation. That's amazing grace. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which is minuscule compared to the other bags of gold. He grabbed him. I noticed this. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35, he's switching out now of just storytelling. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I like brother or sister because it brings it home to the church. It's, it's the one thing that breaks my heart certainly and breaks the heart of God is seeing church splits, division, people choking each other because they don't get their way, all of those things. So what does it cost to walk in unforgiveness? The answer, everything. 
<laughs> everything. But I'll give you a few things that are included in everything. Number one, you can't see where you're going. See, you can't even put the key in the keyhole. 1 John 2, 11 says this, but if anyone hates his brother or brother or sister, uh, they are in darkness and walk around in darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. If you're lacking direction, the first place, if I'm lacking direction that I go is okay. Is there, is there unforgiveness that has blinded me because I can't see clearly where to go or what to do? The second thing is that you can't pray effectively. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, notice he's, he's using the same thing. If you're, if you're holding, if you're gripping their neck, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It comes back to, don't do this, you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. Number four, Satan takes advantage of you. Listen to 2 Corinthians 2, 11, uh, 10 and 11. Anyone you forgive, Paul writes, I also forgive. And what I have give, forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Why? What's going to happen to you if you don't do this? Verse 11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So many of us are getting outwitted in life, in all areas of life, because of unforgiveness in our heart. We are blind. We cannot hear what God is speaking to us. We are deaf, and we are outwitted because of unforgiveness in our heart. I like what Watchman Nee said. He said, unforgiveness in the heart of the believer is the single biggest open door for the devil. And I add to that, it is also the biggest closed door to God. So John says this in John 20. It's really quiet in here. Kind of expected that. This is not a shouting message yet. John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them. This is his disciples, so he greets them. He says, I'm sending you out. Uh, and he breathed on them, and he says, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone, anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. In other words, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever has been released is released. And, and if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Like, Wow. I thought the only one that could forgive sins is God. Well, it's interesting because Jesus breathes into them the Holy Spirit. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Last time I checked my theology, the Holy Spirit is the third member uh, of the Godhead. He is God. He gives you the power. If you're a spirit-filled believer, you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you to transact this business that we're talking about, that we're talking about the Master gives us. And, and, and listen to this in John 20, 21, in the uh, Passion Translation. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, and he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive 
the Holy Spirit. I like the Greek word here. Uh, it only appears once, and this is the only place in the New Testament. However, in the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, this, this is used in, in Genesis 2-7 for when God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. And then he says in verse 23, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. In other words, tap your it. People need to know that they are forgiven, and they also need to know that the agent that's preaching it is actually doing the stuff and has forgiven people. That's why I can't recount a whole bunch of sad stories. Uh, and I was thinking about this. I thought, man, like, should I tell about this person, that person that hurt me, and the, you know how I had to deal with that? It's like it's so hard because I've forgiven them. <laughs> I honestly don't walk across streets to avoid people that have hurt me. So if you're here and you decide to hurt me at some stage in the future, expect to get a hug. That's all I can say. If I don't hug you, I haven't released it. If I haven't released it, then there's, there's work for me to do because I will not, wor I will not walk holding on to an offense. I, I cannot afford that, neither can you. If there are people that you're walking across streets to avoid them because of uh, offenses, it's a good sign you haven't forgiven them, and maybe there's something that you need to do. So what do you need to do? I'm glad that you asked. And I'm going to give you some keys out of this. I say keys, plural, but I haven't given you the master's key yet. You'll find out in a moment, though. How do I get out of this? Number one, repent. <laughs> Pretty easy. Repent. That's a, that's a word that gets used a bit in Hollywood. It gets misused, I might add. Uh, it always shows somebody with their finger with a big, big sign protesting. That, that's the devil's way of, of marketing against the church. It's definitely not the spirit of Christ. It's not what we're called to do. We're not called to protest. We're called to repent. The word repent just means change your mind, turn around. Whatever you've been looking at, quit looking at it. So you've been looking at that offense, that offended person has been in your head for way too long, what they did to you, that offense. He says this, turn away from that. Get your eyes off of that. Repent. Turn and look away. I, I like these three keys, and you can, you can take these with you, but don't rehearse that offense. Don't nurse that offense. Don't curse that offended person. So don't, 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 don't. Don't rehearse it. In other words, I'm going to tell everybody over and over again what that person did to me. Everybody that knows them, you run into them. Guess what? <laughs> Don't rehearse it. Don't nurse it. I'm going to feed it. All my energies are going into that. I can't be creative. I can't see the things of God. I can't hear the voice of God. No, 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 no. You cannot afford to nurse that thing. And don't curse it or the person, rather, with your mouth, cursing them all the time. Well, they're going to pay. Tell you what. See, in our society, that's considered to be strong. That's considered to be a strength. Hollywood accentuates that really, really well. The biggest strength is revenge. 
Well, no, it's actually a weakness. That's actually not a strength. Like I said, I, I don't mind getting revenge on aliens in the movies. But there's too much of the revenge thing happening on people that God loves. I know it's fiction in the movies, it's make-believe and all the rest of it. But in real life, you are not a strong person because you hold a grudge. You are a strong person in God when you release that offense, when you let that thing go, when you don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, and don't curse it, but you repent and you turn away from that. That is a strong man or woman, not the other way around. See, when you lift an offense to God, God will lift a mountain or move a mountain for you. The reason some of you aren't getting that mountain moved is because you aren't lifting that offense up to God and repenting of it. <laughs> so God would say, come on, quit choking them in your brain, your mind, with your mouth. Turn away from that. How, how do I know that I've Forgiven somebody. The first thing is, I know that I've forgiven them when I'm praying for them. Oh, how hard this is. God says, you know, that one that, you know, ripped you off. Yeah, I surely do. I could really use that money that they stole from me. Well, I want you to pray for them. Okay, I'm going to pray for them. God! Open their eyes. Let them feel the pain. <laughs> Let them feel the pain. No, no, no. That's not the prayer. What, what prayer are you talking about, God? The prayer goes like something like this. God bless them. <laughs> may their marriage be blessed if they're married. If they're single, may they found, find a person of their dreams. May their business be blessed because of the seed money that I gave them. <laughs> but you didn't give it to Yes, I did. I, I choose right now. It's yours. It's yours. I've done that. I wrote a letter to a guy that ripped me off. And, and in fact, um, I found myself looking him up on, because now Google's amazing, Wikipedia and all that. He wrote a book, and I thought, oh, I know the title of the book. I'm going to find out. What, where is he now? He, brought, he bought a Salvador Dali painting with the money that he stole from me. <laughs> and I saw the painting in his office. I thought, man, that's a nice painting. That's a Salvador Dali. Like back in nine, circa 1980, wasn't worth as much, but now it's worth a fortune. <laughs> if you know anything about art, it was a big one. I thought, man. That's, that's grown even bigger now, my blessing has towards him. I looked him up. He's alive. He's really old, but he's alive. And I found myself praying again, God, just his name's Mike. I said, God, just bless Mike wherever he's at. I knew he lost his marriage, and I didn't jump up and down with glee. That's, that's, yeah, serves you right. Told you so. No, God said, I want you to give him something, which I did. And I also released him because to forgive means to give for the other person because the other person doesn't have it to give. So Jesus says, I, I send you out to preach. I, I, I send you out. Now listen, because we're about to take communion here at this church in a moment. I'm about to close, so I'll get the worship team to come up.
But I want to read to you this one passage of Scripture before we take communion, and then I'm going to give you the Master's key. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. This is instruction on how to receive what we're going to receive here, which is communion. If you're watching this online, you can get some bread and, and get some juice or wine, whatever you prefer, and get your heart ready for this, because this is going to be very, very powerful for you this morning or wherever you're at. 1 Corinthians 11:23, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, get this next bit, on the night he was betrayed. Think about the night that he was betrayed. Think about what he would have been thinking about Judas. Think about what he'd been thinking about all the other cowards that left. Think about what would have come upon him when he had the power to release legions of angels upon this earth to get revenge. It would have made any of the Hollywood revenge movies look like mere child's play of what he could have done. On the same night that he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Get this again in remembrance of me. See, God hasn't called you to forget what happened to you. You can. Some of the stuff that's happened to people in this room or people that are watching online is so horrific that you will remember it probably until your last breath. He has not asked you to forget it, is in no more memory. And the key is this. It's to turn from that and remembering that or focusing upon that, whatever that is in your world, to looking at him and remembering him and thinking about him and what he did for you. And out of that spirit, out of that power, out of that authority comes divine permission to release that which happened to you that you can never forget. But when you look, when you turn from that, I said repent. When you turn from that, you're turning to something else. What are you turning from? You turn and you look at him. And remember, he says, as often as you do this... Uh, Remember what I did on the night that I was betrayed, on the darkest uh, night that anybody could ever have. I, I, I want you to remember this. Remember me. And remember what I did. And the master's key isn't a key at all. It's not a physical key that you could put in a keyhole. The master's key is the hand of the master that has a hole in it that only you can fill. It's a hole that's so big that he loved the whole world 
every single human being, including the ones that offended you and did those terrible things to you, that abused you, and all the rest of it that, that happened that you can't forget, fill it with that hole of love because the master's key is the master's hand of love. It's got a hole in it. Somewhere in there, you, your life, and everything that happened to you goes into that hole like a key in a keyhole. You cannot hold the hand of the master if you're choking the neck of the one that's done you bad. You have to release your grip on that person or those people. You know who they are. <laughs> You've got to release your hands from them to hold the hand of him. That's the master's key. That's the key that unlocks every other door, opens every door, or shuts every door. Until you do that, that transaction, you'll not be free from whatever it is. You will be bound. You will miss hearing the voice of God, seeing what God wants to do. You'll miss, well, everything if you hold on. So I'm going to pray right now. Then here we're going to take communion. But I want to give you a chance if you're watching online right now. If you're watching this message, it's for a purpose. And I, I plead with you as Paul pleaded with his disciples and Jesus pleads with us. Receive what you've been given. Gladly receive that. But then give that on to somebody else. Receive Jesus himself into your heart. And he will give you the power. He will breathe life into you. His Holy Spirit will come in to empower you to do what you can't do without the Spirit of God. He will give you the power to release what needs to be released in your world from the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of this earth. And he will give you the power to bind things that need to be bound to shut doors that need to be shut. If you want to be included in this prayer, we're just going to pray out loud here. And I, I invite everybody to pray this prayer after me. Let's mean it with our heart. And then I'm going to give you a chance to forgive people by turning away from them and looking at him. Get your hands off their throat. Put your hand in his hand right now. Father, I thank you. We're going to pray in a moment. Father, I thank you for your spirit in this room, in every room where people are watching this message. I thank you for your word. It's true. Let it be settled in all of our hearts that we might release as we are released. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your son to forgive me of everything. Father, I forgive others as you have forgiven me. I turn from looking at their offenses and what they did to me. I turn now and I look at you. Jesus, Take my hand right now and lead me out of any captivity that I might be in. In 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, Father, I just thank you. Let your spirit breathe afresh into every person and then sound of my voice. He came to set the captive free, and that's you and me. He came so that we might have liberty, that we might have freedom. He came so that we can then become ambassadors of Christ and unlock every single door with every single captive that we might find in our world today and, and link hands together with his hand and go out as one body coupled with all the other bodies called the, the church of God in this world and go and do something amazing and smash down gates of hell all over this world in Jesus' name. If that's you and you signed up for that one, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on, church. Let's stand up right now. We're going to take communion. I want this communion to be special. I know they all are. But when you take this, I want you to take this communion in complete freedom, knowing that his body was broken for you so that you could be whole, that you can smash down gates, that you are walking free right now. I, I want you to take this, uh, this drink, his blood, which is the new covenant that he, sh he shed his blood for you, for your total remission of all of your sins. And I want you to walk in that freedom and walk somebody out of whatever they're locked in and release them in Jesus' name and let's just see people set free in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.